welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. An important follow-up from yesterday. I had a really important and, and powerful interview today with Zachary Foster, Ph.D., who is a, he's an individual who got a PhD on, in, in regard to Palestinian history, Palestinian, you know, everything Palestinian from Princeton. And I wanted to have an important conversation with him today about all of that, which will be coming out tomorrow. So make sure you don't miss that. But we're, I, I, the reason I felt it was important to have to follow up today, immediately following the conversation of the flower massacre, is just simply because this is such a horrific example of what's been going on the entire time. And not only just the basic example, the, the reality of what we've already seen, even just pretending the Israeli narrative is true. In and of itself, it's a horrifying situation that there's no way you can decouple Israeli responsibility from. And we'll go over that. But it turns out as more as almost every other time in this in this entire just post October 7th conversation, it turns out that Israel lied, that Israel is in real time, even being caught by corporate media editing videos, lying about what happened, having inconsistent testimony, and ultimately comes to the fact that they were on the ground, that they shot people for trying to get food that was brought for them. And every other aspect of the allegations that they put forward, Hamas firing in separate incidents, have been shown to be false. By corporate media, even by other Israeli elements of the conversation, how else do you describe that when it's proven, and we'll go over again today, that Israel was responsible for the aid convoy. And it, it admitted inadvertently, I argue, by them in other conversations. So that means they were responsible for it, which means they are then also responsible for the security of the delivering of that aid. Understand, in this conversation today, or just that moment, that incident, there was no UNRWA. There was no World Food Program. These groups had been boxed out and had to, at the moment, were even paused in their operations because there was no funding. So yet they're still trying to blame them for being responsible for not unloading it, even though, and we'll go into all of this, but the point was he, they were caught by their own testimony that they were in fact the ones that initiated this, trying to get praise, as I keep telling you, for the actions they knew were not what they were pretending they were, and then dumping this in there, letting people rush in to get the food, which they know they would because they've already starved them to death in many cases, and then opened fire on the people while they did this, which then caused chaos all of which is their responsibility. And, and there's no way around this because of actions in any other way that have been taken up to this point, but whether or not there had been any actions, whether or not UNRWA was on the ground, it is still Israel's responsibility. And so what you end up realizing is that this was a clear attempt to manufacture a situation that could both simultaneously be blamed on the Palestinians and, while, while Israel trying to reap praise for doing the thing that they haven't been doing. And even in this example, I'll prove to you that they lied about what they even brought in, uh, increasing the number of the aid trucks that they claim they brought when this being proven to be less, just like I said, but all of which amounts to the obvious reality that this was, oh, I didn't finish my point. The first point being <laughs> benefiting, basically creating the situation you then penalize them from after starving them, but also manufacturing the event to make it look like and blame the very group you're trying to justify or use to justify everything else that's happening, which then you conflate with Palestinians, which is Hamas. All of this is a false flag, a setup, a manipulation of the situation while you've already starved people to death, while you've already bombed 15 plus thousand children using the tool of food 
that you've already taken from them to trick these people into. I mean, just think about how grotesque that ultimately is. The act, the villainy, not just war, not just hatred, but villainy, like the worst kind of thing. This, this is the kind of stuff that we talk about on this show. The worst of the worst of the worst. I, it, it's overwhelming. You know, we're going to go over that evidence that shows you how clear this was, the different, the lies being caught and use other parts of the conversation to bolster the story, to make sure you understand how big this really is. And it's not just this one incident. So let's go into this. And I'm going to start with something that's not necessarily exactly related to this, but the overall point of the disdain, hatred, or rather just the disregard for anybody's concern for innocent Palestinians. And this happened, this overlaps with the Aaron Bushnell story. Here's Tiberius who wanted to point this out. Now, I already mentioned some of the other parts of the story. Apparently, he donated all of his money to Palestinian causes and all these different things that very clearly speak to the fact that, one, he was not mentally ill, that the person was very aware of what he was doing and has a very clear moral compass, as far as I can tell. As Tiberius says, call this man mentally unwell is effing blasphemous. Rarely have I read words with as much clarity, awareness, sincerity, and integrity. Here's what he wrote from his will, in fact. I'm sorry to my brother and my friends for leaving you like this. Of course, if I was truly sorry, I wouldn't be doing it. But the machine demands blood. None of this is fair. I wish for my remains to be cremated. I do not wish for my ashes to be scattered or my remains to be buried as my body does not belong anywhere in this world. If a time comes when Palestinians regain control of their land and if the people native to the land would be open to the possibility, I would love for my ashes to be scattered in a free Palestine. <laughs> of course, you already have the the really destuct the kind of person that would take something like that, no matter what the context, anybody can acknowledge that's a heartfelt sentiment. But of course the people that with, the, with, I don't know, I shouldn't make it personal, but you know, it's going to say dark hearts or whatever the people that want to swing in and make this about hatred and say, see, he's a lunatic Palestinian supporting extremist. And all, the only thing that makes it that is because the insinuation that if you think free Palestine, therefore X, Y, and Z, which you could argue but the only thing that makes these very benign things become because the Israeli entities say, wink, wink, here's what that actually means. At what point do we start going? Maybe not. <laughs> I think we're already there is the point. Everybody in the world seems to be getting there right now. Now, in general, this was just yesterday, and I, I've shown you these as I see them from God, Times of Gaza, just showing you the breadth of the suffering. Just, and this is day 147, just in the past 24 hours from the first to the second, 16 massacres committed by the Israeli occupation. 16 events, massacres. 193 people killed collectively in those 16 massacres. 920 injured. And these are just the ones they can prove, by the way, with horrifying footage of these people being moved around their dead bodies, the pulling them from rubble. You know, just another day in a string of day after day after day after day after day of 16 different massacres in multiple locations and death and suffering and starvation. But, you know, democracy, Hamas, human shields. All makes sense if you're an Israeli or rather specifically a Zionist Israeli. And the reason I make that extinction is the same thing we talked about today. You can prove today. And I mean, it's important to understand that, that there are a lot of Israelis that think this is disgusting. A lot of IDF members that have spoken up. Jewish people all over the world who are screaming that they don't support this, that the Zionism does not represent them. But that all gets shouted down. And this sadly continues. Interestingly enough, there were six as the, and this is the way Dr. Renee Levent frames it, but I, I agree. Six pro-Israel pro House of Representatives returned from an Israeli trip. 
Now, this is what's so fascinating to me with this dynamic. These people are unquestioningly pro-Israel. I mean, it's unquestionably pro-Israel. I mean, everybody in Congress, as far as I'm concerned, is like aggressively pro. The only, what's interesting is you. it's sort of like the political spectrum of Israel right now. You've basically got varying shades of right and extreme right. That's basically what's going on. Do not conflate that with the conversation of the U.S. political spectrum. They're similar, but they're not the same thing. My point is that in the Congress conversation, you have varying degrees of like aggressively, violently pro-Israel to just pro-Israel. That's, I mean, that's, we have to realize that today. It's not racist to point that out. It's the obvious reality. Now, why, getting into why, is a whole other conversation in regard to lobbying. And I mean, it goes on forever, but just the obvious reality, there's no denying that. So my point in this is to say they're pro-Israel is undeniable. But nonetheless, they're coming back with a danger, a story that is going to make Israel upset. The story that I guarantee has already called, has already triggered calls for them being deemed anti-Semitic. I promise you. But what I, what's important about this is even the pro-Israel groups, I mean, do you think it's because they finally just out of just suddenly decided to tell you the truth after an entire career of gaslighting for Israel? No. I mean, it's certainly possible. It's because, as I keep telling everybody, they see that you see it. And it really speaks to the power of individual people. The mob, the majority, we really do have an effect, not on the ridiculous game of the illusion of voting. No, it's an effect you have on influence. The effect you have with your voting, your dollar voting about what you spend your money on, that matters to them more than you could possibly imagine. Pretty much the only vote that truly matters. And that is about influence. And if we get enough people say boycotting Bud Light, what do you know? Things shift, right? It's the same thing we're talking about here. They see that you see this. They still need you. Not, I don't believe in the voting sense, but in the power sense. If everyone in their state wants them gone, well, they're probably going to get politically removed for different reasons, even from other political rivals. So understand that as we see everybody shifting into going, yeah, yeah, that Israel's doing bad things. Almost, I would argue, most of them don't actually care about it. Now, it's not a, a statement of how bad humanity is. I think it's the opposite. It's about the power structures. Now, here's what it says. They just came back from a trip from Israel stating that Israel's Netanyahu has, quote, utter disregard for Palestinian lives. Well, yeah, shocking. Same story for as long as I can look back. But it's important, and I'm glad they're saying it, but and fearing that he is moving towards Gaza's total destruction. Well, they're openly saying that. Let's not have these hypothetical fears. They're telling you we're going to do that. Here's the plan. Here's the money earmarked. We just had a conference about it. But we're worried that it's going to... See, this, this is the frustration. They're eking into it. They're barely putting a toe in the water when we see the full pool a long time ago, right? But it says Rosa uh, DeLauro of Connecticut, oh, they list them all off, saying, uh, it's saying that Netanyahu has shamefully been unwilling to allow humanitarian services in the scale needed. Everybody everywhere is admitting this. So as we go through all the examples of the ridiculous people like Elon Levy squaring up and down that all the aid pot in the world is overflowing into Gaza, but it's only the dangerous UN-Hamas overlap that's not letting it happen. They're to this very day, 30 seconds ago, they're telling this to online. Anybody that will listen, even though there's stated, stated points made by Netanyahu claiming the exact opposite, saying that we're going to let the bare minimum come through or the fact that you have everybody involved telling you the opposite. Egypt, the United Nations, the United States, people that just came back from Israel going, yeah, they're not letting it through or realizing you have vote videos, photographs, people from Israel. I mean, it's, it's embarrassingly obvious, but yet. 
He still goes online today and goes, how dare you? You're a racist. Blood libel. It's everywhere. Only UN and Hamas and anybody else involved won't let it happen. Narrative, narrative, narrative versus fact, 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 document, video, person. It's ridiculous. And his plan for Gaza foresees Israel with a permanent occupation. But yeah, these are just basic realities that have been there for a very, very long time. Mike S. Omer Mann points out something interesting. Same point, same general segment point. There was a line in a Hebrew news article yesterday, he writes, and this was posted on the 1st, that I can't stop thinking about. It says U.S. officials told, and this is uh, Barack Ravid, who is the political reporter for Axios. They told him that in every conversation in recent weeks, they've been warning Israel that it is responsible for the humanitarian disaster taking place. Quite different than what Blinken and, and Kirby and all these ridiculous people will tell you. Right. The opposite. They'll quite frankly, state in unequivocally that we think the opposite. But then they're telling them. The, so they're lying to you. Well, shocker. That's what their job is. That their job is to obfuscate. In most cases, they know that. Just think about what life that must be to be a, you know, your job is to be dishonest. But anyway. Telling them you're doing this. We know you're doing this. You need to stop. Quote, the senior U.S. official said he was dumbfounded by the response he got from the Israelis. This is on the record, by the way, with mainstream corporate media saying, quote, they asked me when he's when he's when they're putting it to them, you're responsible for all this happening. This is what the Israelis would say. They asked me, why is that our problem? Just let that sink in. They said, I told them they don't always uh, he's he goes on to say in response to them, I, do, I told them they don't understand the situation they're in. I think about that. Now, as always, we need to stand back and ask how much of these different directions and awareness is coordinated to drive you into a new controlled situation. That is a stagnant, static, rather always scenario. Don't ever not consider that double negative. But the point is that he's literally telling them and it's an Axios mainstream journalist going, I don't think you understand how you know kind of deep shit you're in right now. Like, lit, like this is it's just wild to me. And th the question needs to be. Is this the Israeli government knowingly ignoring that or do they truly not grasp that they've lost control of something they've controlled for however long? Influence, the, the, the perception, the narrative. I don't know, but I'll tell you right now. With their, when they're saying, why is that our problem? When they're being accused of genocide, the world court has said it has merit. They're currently still investigating and the testimony is scathing that we're just still going on. It's crazy. And everybody that's classically supported them is now shifting over to, to yeah, you're committing genocide. I mean, why is that your problem? Because you're going to end up in prison. That's why. But I think what's interesting is where it goes next. But everyone is seeing it, literally everybody, which again should start to make you realize that people that are not seeing it, or rather they're pretending they don't, Mark, make a note, man. Make a note. Because it is right now a shining, obvious, well, whatever, a light red flag, People that are doing that are standing out in in moral society right now like a gigantic sore red thumb. We can all see it. But it says, the thing is, Israel has always challenged the U.S. and the world to put their money where their mouth is. They have. And historically, the world meekly backs away when they utter things like racism, anti-Semitism, racism. Always, up until now. And Israel has almost always won that game of chicken, he says. The stakes are different, but now... but excuse me, the stakes are different now. But my sense is, he says, that most Israelis don't get that either, which would be simply an, an indication of the controlled media like we have here. 
At this point, he says nothing but cutting off the cash and bombs and the UN vetoes could even begin to impart upon them the level of shock and disbelief and horror with which the world has been watching for months. And his last point, I don't think anyone could disagree with, or last point in the paragraph anyway, shock and disbelief and horror not only at what Israel's doing, but at their own governments for allowing it to happen, for not stopping it. This is kind of what I've been saying over the weeks. We all are, average people have come jarringly to, ha- to confronted with the reality that they don't live in the world they thought they did. We've been screaming and waving our arms for a long time. They're finally paying attention. It says, the thing is, nothing will happen and no consequences will be wrought upon until one man, Joe Biden, decides that enough is enough. Now, really, it's a speaking that I don't think Biden is even the one making decisions, but it comes to the power structure in this country. And whether it's Trump or Biden or anybody else, it would continue. RFK Jr., it would continue. And that's the problem, is that they're the ones keeping this going, pretending they want a ceasefire and then veting a ceasefire. I mean, it's insulting to your intelligence. And they would stop it right now, should they actually want to stop it. Same with Ukraine, for that matter. But it says, let's be clear, we're losing, we're, we're long past the point of a ceasefire being enough. Frankly, I think everyone feels that too. That's the whole illusion about the temporary game that Netanyahu keeps playing, which we'll get into in a minute. But it says, to protect Palestinians from Israel, to ensure they don't die of starvation, to allow the world to deliver crucial aid, to make sure the Palestinians who have fled can return to their homes, and to make sure the Israeli army doesn't stay in Gaza or even come back. There should be, that should be the start. Oh, he, well, he says, uh, I, I forgot the one line here. There needs to be an international protection force from in Gaza, he argues. Now, what, how that would take shape is very important, both for Palestinians to people that just care about government control. But in, 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 regardless, I think we all recognize that Israel's not going to do what it says it's going to do. It's going to continue to do what it wants to do at the expense of everything. And what he's basically arguing is, look, we can't just, even if we get past this, even if there is a ceasefire, that it's very clear at this point that Israel has no concern for the humanitarian rights of people in Palestine or anywhere in Gaza or West Bank, in Palestine. The point is that they'll let them continue to starve. They'll let they'll continue to manipulate them in ways that the world will quietly ignore. So we need to do something different. Obviously, this is what they've been screaming about for 75 years. He says the last thing, that should be this new starting point for discussions the day after. And the day after must be tomorrow. I agree. So that being said, recognizing the obvious shifting dynamic around this conversation. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing. Instagram's already censored the show again. What's funny to me on that note is I don't know why they, why don't they just block me from going live? They seemingly now censor me within the first five minutes of every show that I do. Probably so they, I don't, I can't say that I'm technically censored on the platform level. Probably why, who knows? I don't, I hate Instagram anyway. But so the point is knowing that everyone in corporate media, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm keep saying that, but just, you guys, I don't, literally everyone is not the case. Even yesterday I got mad at myself for saying literally too many times. It's a huge portion of the, even the core, even let's just take the group that has always historically blindly towed lines, maybe because they just thought that was the truth. That, that group has dramatically diminished. Let's put it that way. And I think we all feel that right now. So this brings us to the conversation of, oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I thought that, oh, I guess this wasn't yesterday. This was the day before yesterday. In any case. So sometimes I do a lot of research in the days that I don't actually do a show and then I kind of blends together. 
February 29th. This was forensic investigation reveals Israel lied to the ICJ, which is the part we I'm not going to get into today, but that's true. The forensic investigation team did all sorts of, I mean, it's, it's forensic investigation and they use this, the actual results and produced it for you to read for yourself to prove to you that they lied. And it's not that shocking. The ICJ called them out while they were there for crying out loud, but they just did real work on the ground to show you that they lied about where people were shooting from. One of which was the example they used to claim human shields, but it turns out they lied about where he was and he was actually in a separate area. Wasn't in the hospital that they bombed. Like literally you could prove it. He was actually in the, the next door neighbor area within the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the bout, not the border, but you know, the, the, the territory line, the property line, excuse me. Good Lord. I can't talk, but you, they proved that. Which, by the way, that one provable example is enough to put someone in prison. But nothing's going to happen, let alone all of it, right? But just knowing that they continue to lie about very prominent things, which shows you that they know they're committing crimes. But it was the flower massacre. And as I wrote then, exposes the starvation campaign. The image that's on the show today is one of these, it's one of these iconic images that we've seen early. And this was one of the young girls in the beginning of this that was sit, taking her picture where she was... Yeah, basically just of, of an image of a Palestinian that was struggling. And now they use that same image in the beginning of just since this has started and show her next to her, her, you know, on one side, her puffy cheeks, the other side, she's literally starving to death, emaciated. I just don't know how we can pretend this isn't happening. So this one example highlights both the starvation campaign, but not just the fact that they're starving people, but that they're willing to use the starvation, the starvation itself is collective punishment. The starvation itself is a war crime, genocide, with what they've said and what they're doing it for. But you tack on to that, that they then use the delivery of the thing, a fraction of what it's needed. By Apparently it was only 18 trucks. They they claimed it was 30. I'll show you. But even then, I don't, I can't see 18 in any of those shots, but I guess they edited all what they gave you, so they're lying about that too. But they send them in, knowing it's not enough, knowing people will scramble to get a shred of what they'll need to even feed themselves that day, and then they fire on these people. Then use their, their, their running away in terror because they're being shot at to justify further not giving them food, saying, see, this is why we can't do this. And, and blaming them for their suffering. The only thing, I mean, really, literally every angle of this is because Israel planned this out. I mean, we're going to go through it. You tell me where I'm missing something. This is a horrific example of not just starvation and and war crimes, but terrorism. Like, really going into the level of actual, and again, this overlaps with the history of Zionism and what they did to create the state itself. Zachary and I went into this today in, in our interview, and it's it's powerful. Well, let's, let's first just start with the BBC. This article came out, I believe it was today. What video and eyewitness accounts tell us about Gazans killed at the eardrop? Now, what's it again? What, what I think is important, as as you'll recognize if you watch this show, is that if you watch this show, if you watch the last American Vagabond on the 29th, on the day this happened, you'll recognize that you're already way, way ahead of this story. Which you know, you could say I'm patting myself on the back, and I have to degree, but it's always about demonstrating our value, Recon making, letting people see that if you're watching this show, you are generally pretty far ahead of people's conversations in two party illusion land, but also in independent media. That's because this is all I do. I don't have a life. That's all I do. So I'll sit here and inform you guys as fast as I can. So point is, what they're going to discuss in this conversation is things that I kind of just, they're, they're thoughts that came to me in the middle of the show as we were breaking down the evidence. And, and, and that was with the interview that came through on CNN with Mergev that's now kind of a, 
a central part of showing that he got caught in that lie. That's what I said live on the show. And here we are. So here's what it says. The video shows people, and there's a lot in here just going through like the timelines and, and so on. But just to give you the main parts, I think are stand out. The video shows people are cramped, are camped out on Al Rashid Street. Now, don't forget, yesterday we showed you, or yeah, day before yesterday, and you can find this online. It's a pretty prominent video where Israel sent out a text, or rather, it was a it was a audio text message, and it said specifically that they were to go to Rashid Street. That's what this said. They have literally told people to go in this direction, right? So not only did they are they behind all of this, which we'll go through and show you, that it was the IDF that put the trucks in. They're the ones that chose not to give it any protection. They're the ones that let people rush in and, and, and take the food. And again, we'll show you that they didn't start actually what they call stampeding until they shot at them. And that we can show you that all the injuries that people are dealing with are 99% gunshots. And tank fire, which I, I picked up on in the show that's only been admitted today. Remember, we saw that shot go over the top. I said, what's that? Turns out that was a tank shooting. And Mark Gev says that we weren't even on the ground. So he's lying about this. Why would they lie about being present? Because it's about blaming somebody else. So right there, you can see if they're lying about the way it went down, they're hiding something. That's an obvious reality. So they tell them to go to the street where they're going to organize this effort. I think this is the first part to remember. This was set up. And if they're the ones that sent the trucks in, which they did, and if they tell them to go to the street to get it, as even Amapur on CNN says, that's your responsibility. Any other entity that brings these things in claims responsibility for the way that they're delivered, the way that they're unpacked, the way that it's given out. They don't just drive trucks into an open area of starving people. What do you think is going to happen? They manufactured this, guys. And again, even then, it seems pretty clear that they weren't actually like in like a mob mentality until they were shot at. So think about that. Think about these people that are on the, like their children are starving to death and yet they're still maintaining a semblance of not chaos, which the video seems pretty clear to me. I went over yesterday, but it says we have previously verified video. BBC says at that location, showing people gathering around lorries to claim sacks of grain. And it says here at about four local time. And so it's dark outside when this happens. So it'd be AM Thursday, the 29th. Now, again, I ask you why in the world it would make sense to do this in the middle of the night. Really think about that for a second, not because, oh, well, they're starving. Well, that's usually not how this goes. The reason I think it's about the fact that it was under night. So they could do this without any, but it's, it's whatever they put out in their weird reverse video they did you know the whatever whatever you call that video version they put out but that's not just night vision right they did this weird inversion that makes them look like a bunch of insects which people act like that was us projecting but now it's being regarded as a bunch of insects by idf adjacent accounts and so on i mean it's very clear that it was meant to dehumanize them but if it's dark outside nobody can see anything other than what you present and i think that's very important to consider but it says on the 29th, in the middle of the or dark outside, 4 a.m., a convoy of lorries, car- the trucks carrying the aid from Egypt passes through an IDF location. Okay, so right there, make sure you understand all of the lies and the repeated statements by the people online will discuss. Everything that comes through in these locations, in any of these crossings, has to come through an IDF Israeli point. To pretend like it's only only Egypt or only Hamas, like they're going to let Hamas control a border that accesses something that goes even adjacent to Israel is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to pretend they're going to let them control a secure checkpoint with a border on Israel. They got caught in this lie already. 
So my point is, yes, the IDF is in control of this. So when we get to the reality, we'll prove to you for the 15,000th time that these trucks are backed up and they're not on the Gaza side, that that's because the IDF is doing it. And even in the interview, that well, I might end up playing more of it. She makes it clear that they're clearly have multi, they, they have checks, uh, like ridiculous uh, banned items that change every 20 minutes or like 15,000 things they have to check. So it takes half a day to look over one truck or whatever they're talking about. They're doing it deliberately. And, and everybody involved is saying that except Israel. It says the IDF says there were 30 trucks in the convoy. However, eyewitnesses told the BBC there was only 18. I question whether it's even 18, but just think about how stupid that is. Why would you have to lie? Because you want it to look like you brought in more than you did. But by the way, even 30 trucks is an insult. 500 a day were happening before October 7th and 500 a day at that time, people were already wildly food insecure, potentially starving. That was by the United Nations test estimates or statements before that. Then it went down to 95. Now it was down to something like 50 something. And to send in 30 or pretend it was 30 and it's only 18, it is always an insult. But they, they are playing on the ignorance of people to think, oh my God, 30 trucks full of food. It's not enough, guys. It's not enough. It wasn't before. It's not now. But it says even at the lower figure, it would have stretched for at least a few hundred meters. So they lied. And even the BBC, for whatever reason, is choosing to acknowledge that. Now, it says the video released by the IDF is not one single sequence. And this is, this is the primary part that everyone's calling out. It has been edited into four sections. And guess what? It turns out those sections were completely different. Like they were completely different times, different circumstances, and they jumbled them together. Why? Well, one example is because they blocked out the reality that they had military vehicles there and they covered them with these weird black spots and whatever else. I mean, guys, they're literally caught in everything they do, not only lying to you about the setup and the reality of the circumstance, but framing it as something that didn't even happen. And now even corporate media is just like with Al-Shifa or the other tunnels going, well, that's not true. I can see it right there. It's just embarrassing. And here's the craziest part. Even though we all laugh, it still goes forward. They're killing children as we speak. It says they show at least four static lorries. Again, people can be seen moving around them. And I showed you this before. But this time it is also possible to see what appears to be motionless figures lying on the ground. Actually, let me, let me see real quick. I believe I, I even still have um, the video from yesterday. See if I got that still. Maybe I don't. And I'll I'll put that in there if I, if I got that here. Or maybe one of these other ones. I mean, it's it's not incredibly important. Just even just this example where you can see the way this looks right here, you know, or the way they had this cut looking in the beginning. So you know, you can see all the people at the bottom. Which really does, you know, just make them look like a bunch of insects, which is the intent, I argue. But you could prove that they were not scrambling and running. What's interesting, though, is that the, you could see after the fact where it says people at uh, this time that possible to see what appears to be. Yeah, so they show at least four static lorries. Again, people can be seen moving around them. But at this time, because they've edited the time frames, it's also possible to see what appear to be motionless figures lying around so they, they don't they've already shot people 
It says it also shows what appears to be Israeli military vehicles nearby, which are confirmed. I mean, this is the reality based on multiple other investigations, including uh, Euromed Human Rights Monitor. I'll show you next. BBC Verify has asked the IDF to com- for the complete footage, which I'll never give you because they're already aware they're being caught. It says volleys of gunfire can be heard and people are seen scrambling over the trucks and ducking behind the vehicles. Red tracer rounds can be seen in the sky. He said that that's this, the tanks. And he says the Israeli vehicles had started firing at people when the aid arrived. Right? It's just not hard to see what's going on. It says, quote, Israelis purposely fired at the men. They were trying to get near the trucks and had the flower. They were fired. They, they were fired at directly and prevented people to come near those as they were killed. Like this is the point they said. People who even went back to try to get the bodies they shot, they shot them too, which is the common tactic you see. Now it says in regard to one of the uh, doctors said, uh, Alawada Hospital received around 176 injured people. 142 of those cases are bullet injuries. And the rest from stampede, broken limbs, and upper and lower body parts. Now, the point is that, yes, they caused people to scramble while they were all crammed in getting food, which did cause, but that's, and every other example we have, the BBC, every other investigation has already shown that they fired. And that's what started this, according to eyewitness testimony, even the video we showed you. Just so that it's just like usual, Israeli entities, IDF, online propagandists just claim otherwise. It says the tanks that were there to secure the convoy see the Gazans being trampled and cautiously tries to disperse the mob with a few warning shots. And this is what the uh, colonel said. So, despite all the evidence, despite the eyewitnesses, despite everything else going on, he just says, hey, well, the tanks were just there to secure it. You mean the tanks that Regev said weren't present because you guys weren't there on the ground? This is the point that people are making. Their testimonies are inconsistent. Every story they ever give us. But we shot some warning shots in the air. Okay, then, then why did people get shot? It says, he said the tank commander decided to retreat to avoid harming civilians. And they were backed up securely, not shooting at the mob. So his argument is, we, we saw things going awry, so we got out of there. You mean the only group present to secure and release the aid? got out of the way because people were starving and went to get the aid that you brought for them. And that's the justification for, I mean, you're man, you're using the things that you like, it's just so embarrassing. What do you think is going to happen with people desperately starving? If you, if you had some entity there that was doling out the aid, then it wouldn't have happened that way. They created this situation. I still question what was actually completely in those trucks, quite frankly, but it says, and yet early earlier in an interview with CNN, the Israeli prime minister, Mark Regev, said Israel had not been involved directly in any way and, quote, was not on the ground. I'll play it for you. So now we have clear evidence that there were tanks, that there were even IDF members that were both shooting and shooting tank rounds. And he even says right here that we backed the tanks away. So why did Mark Regev lie about that? It's a good question. Not really. I think it's quite obvious. But it says he said the IDF had opened fire in a separate incident not related to these trucks but did not provide further evidence, which has since then, two days ago, proven to be a flagrant lie that nobody can back up. Mark Gav added, quote, in the incident of the truck being swarmed, there was gunfire. That was Palestinian armed groups. I, I can, as far as I can tell, he's the only one that's made that argument that has kind of proliferated through the in, uh, social media. He says, we don't know if it was Hamas or others. So how do you know it's a Palestinian armed group then? If you don't know who it was, how do you know who fired? <laughs> These people are really that bad at this. I just... I don't know how they were ever, ever able to manipulate anybody. Well, let's play just this little clip that uh, Terrence Daniels shared 
And if I, I if I feel like there's a part that's not in there, I'll grab the, the larger one. There's a 14 minute clip. We pretty much put the whole thing in the last show because there was important things that he he tripped himself up. But listen to just this clip. I think the first question, if you could answer, is who were these aid? Who, who was this aid being driven in by or for? The UN and the normal, you know, known aid agencies said that they had nothing to do with it. Do you know who it was? Now, before we get, that's a, that's the first part's important too. We'll get into this next. So we know this one because I've already shown you that UNRWA and and the World Food Program. And I'll show you their statements right after this. They said very clearly, like because of the funding, we're basically on pause right now. We're not doing anything, and this is when this happens. And even though they know that now, after it, people like Elon Levy are trying to argue that it was UNRWA's responsibility or that they were the ones that did it and gave it to Hamas. And th- this is the point they keep making about how, I mean, think about the desperation involved in that. Knowing that they're not there, knowing that people like me are going to jump on that and yet still lying about it online anyway. Just stating something we can provably show not only just isn't happening, but that they took action to make sure that they weren't there and then blame them for making this happen. So she makes it clear. The, there was no agencies there. The only entities on the ground were the IDF and Palestinians seeking food. I know the following, that in order to help alleviate uh, the food shortage in Gaza, that we authorized in a convoy of, I think, some 30 trucks uh, entered uh, Gaza last night. Headed. They lied. That's a lie. But either way, he authorized. So Israel authorized it to happen, which means, by definition, they had the, legal, the responsibility to, to see it out. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. The Hamas is the legal or represent their, you know, they're the government of the air. Well, that's irrelevant at this point, not only because they have dismantled them, they claim. Right. So if you're the one telling us you've dismantled all of this, well, then why are you then saying they're the ones responsible if you've destroyed what they would use to do it? It's just this game that gets played. But it doesn't matter. Ultimately, if the if the people delivering the aid are the IDF in Israel, that means they're responsible for doing this. I mean, quite frankly, using their narrative, they'd be responsible for making sure Hamas did not come in and take it. But to just dump it in the air, let, let's just take their narrative at face value. That Hamas is waiting in the, in the edges to, to take all the aid. And they know that, and they're telling you that, and yet they just dump the aid in and walk and look at through their, their sniper scopes and go, oh, there they are, they're taking it. Well, then why didn't you do anything about that? Do you not? I thought you cared about people starving. Well, all of this adds up to the obvious reality. Most of it lies, but that they don't actually care about any of these people. They'll using whatever excuse they can, usually manufacturing it to make sure that they suffer, die, and starve, and whatever else is happening for the Northern Gaza Strip. And uh, uh, this shows that Israel is interested in seeing aid and foodstuffs reach the civilian population. No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, uh, 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 we saw a situation where there was a mass uh, casualty tragedy. <laughs> where it looked like the uh, civilians were storming the trucks, uh, uh, trying to, to to take the food. Yeah, yeah, they're starving, man. Like, I mean, this is the thing I said yesterday. I, I actually don't think I don't think they recognize how bad it looks when they keep saying that the starving civilians who were starved for food rushed to get food, and that because they were scrambling to get food, that that's why you shot them. Like, I don't think they really thought that through. Like a lot of the stuff they're saying. Because they, I guess, historically think you're just going to side with them. But you, you, let's just even remove the argument that Israel's responsible. They're starving, even though even crazier enough that we keep showing you, even Israel's prime minister said there is no genocide. Or they keep saying there is no famine. They're just lying about everything. But 
everyone in general can see that their people are starving. I mean, they're the ones bringing in food, so they must recognize it, which again, right there contradicts their statements. But if you know that, you know that people are going to be desperate to take the food. I mean, you're, you're literally using it against them. Anyway, it's, it's, I, I just thought there was another point I was going to make, but let's keep watching. Uh, um, out of desperation, uh, take the food uh, um, out of desperation. Uh, and uh, and uh, people, uh, uh, a crowd was pushing and shoving and, and people were killed. I can't tell you the exact numbers. I don't, as you know, don't trust the numbers put out by the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health in Gaza. Everybody else does, including your own military. So that's dumb. Uh, there were reports that maybe the drivers were, were driving over parts of the crowd. Right. So, okay. So who, who's the drivers? The drivers were sent in by Israel. They, so they would be responsible for that. I mean, think about how I, that's, I'd love to speak to some of these drivers who did it. Were they Palestinian? Were they IDF? I mean, I, let's really think about this for a second. And I think that will add more de- definition to the story. I quite frankly, wouldn't be surprised to find out that they were IDF members. I mean, however you look at the, well, I, I mean, I would take that back probably because they recognize how dangerous that would be for them. But in any case, somebody who is being, I mean, it's obvious there are people that have been put to the task by Israel. It's the only way you can look at it. They're the ones that initiated this process. So it's interesting as he admits that almost like blaming it on them, they're driving people over. Well, if the trucks are driving over people, well, I, gee, I want, that's probably some of the examples of why they're hurt, but other than the gunshots. But again, the evidence is clear. The trucks were there. You can see it on their own video and even corporate media is pointing it out. And then people started firing at them. Even if you think that's because they were there to get food, that's the whole point. And then they use this all to argue today that this is why they can't bring aid in in general. But don't forget, it's still not their fault. But this is why we're rationalizing why we haven't been doing it. But we have been, though. <laughs> like, they can't even, their arguments contradict their lies. Everything, I mean, every time I open their mouth these days, something they're saying is contradicting something they said two days ago. It appears to be a tragedy, but I can tell you Israel was not involved directly in any way. Oh, really? When you say not involved directly in any way, what do you mean? I mean, you enabled these convoy, this convoy, as you said, and your forces are there on the ground and open fire. They said it themselves. What does that mean, not involved in any way? So the, this was, we, well, we allowed the aid to come in. We were involved that way. That- ah, so there's a lie. Oh, sorry, I guess we were then. My mistake. <laughs> That's our policy, to allow food to go into Gaza for the civilian population. But in the incident of people storming the trucks and the way the truck drivers bayed and, and people getting squashed and pressed and uh, uh, apparently there being mass casualties, uh, Israel was not there on the ground. He lied, guys. And this is at a time when this hadn't been further flushed out. Now, a day and a half later, it's a provable reality. I mean, the Times of Israel put an article out that says IDF admits to shooting people at this situation. So it's embarrassing. Again, I just think it's really about, I don't think they're worried that we're going to come around and expose this. I think this is about winning over just a few more people with lies every time. It's it's actual, it's an, a real-time position of desperation. Knowing we see it, knowing everybody sees it, knowing that even BBC is pushing back. But they just do it anyway. What else are you going to do? Give up? Admit that you're murdering mass genocidal gr- No, they're going to keep lying. Okay, but they did open fire and people were killed. So I'm completely confused by what you're saying because they admitted the IDF spokesman said it, said it on our air that they opened fire. That's a that's a separate incident. Okay, not connected to the tragedy with the trucks. Uh Uh, That was that was that was different place, different time. Nope, that's that's kind of been immediately. I mean, if you listen to the rest of the conversation, which I'll include. It's undeniably obvious. 
Now, ex-tyrant here. Oh, I forgot to grab this. So he puts this uh, this clip out, and it's sort of a compilation as well, but it's, all, it's showing you, uh, which group was it? Uh, this woman that I actually, you know, so what you're saying is that woman, you know, all these fake corporate journalists trying to jump in this right now and act like they're suddenly seeing the truth. I just don't believe it, quite frankly, but you guys can decide for yourselves. But just, the, and this is what we're seeing, this kind of pushback, showing you that they're, you know, at every level kind of pushing back on the, I mean, lies that used to just fly right over the top when nobody would really care about it in the corporate journalism anyway. But here he is trying to sell you on the same lie. This is, let's see, let me grab the video real quick. Mob stormed the the um, the convoy. When you say uh, a mob, IDF... do you mean starving people who have been deprived of food because you haven't let the aid in? You spoke of a mob. I want to put to you what Save the Children said. They said, while children die from lack of food, their parents are killed trying to get it for them. That's the reality, isn't it? These are starving people, desperate for anything they can get their hands on. Kathy, the incident at the on the convoy this morning. Uh, was nothing to do with Israel. Right. And they keep the point is they were repeat, they did their rounds, they did their propaganda platforms, and they kept doing it. Right. They kept saying, no, we had nothing to do with this. Oops. But we did, though. And now we're going to adjust that today and explain, not really explain why we lied yesterday, but try to just state that you misunderstood what we said. And then people that are gaslighting for Israel will just pretend like that's the case. And if you say otherwise, you must be an anti Semite. Well, here we are where they're lying. And obviously they had tanks. People were shot by the IDF. And that has been admitted that it was the same event. And yet here we have at least two examples of official capacity lies coming from Israel. But let's keep debating whether they're trying to lie to us explicitly or not. Here's Solomon Ahmed pointing out the same point, but just confirming from another angle. Humanitarian aid massacre, they admit the truth coming from Israel. that it me- And he argues it means they use it as bait. And this is one of the first things I thought of yesterday. But I'm at the point now where it feels like after he tries to blame Hamas, this is more of a false flag on top of that. But that this is something that they used. Starving people, children quite literally starving to death every day. And they send in the illusory act of aid and use it to shoot them. Then use that act to blame them for how bad they are. I mean, just think about how gross that is. But it says there was no massacre of Palestinians in Gaza today. It says Khalil Fulud. You'll be hearing that there was. It's propaganda. Palestinians trampled each other as they fought for the aid that the IDF sent in, knowing that Hamas was going to steal it. So explain that for me. If you know Hamas is going to steal it, then you're basically admitting that you didn't do your job, which is to protect the aid that you delivered to starving people. But obviously, that's not really what they wanted. But on top of that, Elon Levy today is screaming about how UNRWA is the one that they're the ones that use it with Hamas. And it's why it goes away. See, we told you, but UNRWA's not there because you already made sure they were, weren't funded. So they had to pull out. So you're blaming Hamas for doing this, even though there's no indication Hamas was present. The video can sh- that you put out shows that only Palestinians were there. Shots were fired that you pretended were Hamas, but has now been proven to be IDF. So here we go. Full circle. They've lied about every part of it. This was them. They shot people for getting the food they sent in and are using it to pretend that they're disgusting people. It's pretty damn simple, but it's disgusting. Now, Philippe Lazzarini, as I just showed you the other day, this is from the 22nd of February, has already been telling you this. That with profound regret, UNRWA has reached a breaking point. And this was on the 22nd. They were already telling you we're no longer going to be able to do even the minimal stuff we've been doing. And he opens this by saying in just over four months, Gaza 
They've seen more children, more journalists, more medical personnel, more UN staff killed than anywhere in the world during a conflict ever. But I guess, you know, human shields and it's all okay, right? Takes a special kind of stupid, a special kind of sociopathic mindset to think that that makes sense. But again, he says the last time UNRWA was able to deliver food to northern Gaza was January 23rd. Now, as I understand it, the United, the EU and, and others have already started very recently over the last so many days to, to begin funding them again. Why? Well, because it's been proven that, uh, that Israel lied about this. At the very least, all these groups are going, hey, you, you never gave us that evidence you said was going to prove everything. Here is the, uh, just one, as many of the examples that this one that pops up, Canadian officials still haven't seen intelligence linking UN, Gaza, UN's Gaza aid agency with, with, with Hamas. That's UNRWA. The U.S. said the same thing. The, the State Department, I think, stood up and said that we have that we're, we don't see any evidence to support this claim. That's how wild this is. And nonetheless, they were forced to pull back because they paused funding to the group that was maintaining, you know, keeping starvation at the brink or off the, at the keeping it at bay. And just on allegations from a group that's already been caught lying, they paused the funding. But my point is, they've just recently said, "Okay, we're going to do it again," which proves to you that they at least feel the pressure. But on the 23rd, he said, or on the on the 25th of February, he said that was the last time they had delivered aid. So bringing this to the point, obviously, if it's February 25th, so many days later, they still hadn't delivered food. I just want to make sure it's clear we can prove that they're only things present because right now you're seeing them try to blame them in reverse was the IDF and Palestinians. They knew that. They made that the case. And just in case the other part of it, the World Food Program also said the same thing on the 20th. They're pausing delivery because they're being shot at by the IDF. That's literally the reality of this. They've already made it clear. Even the UN spoke up. Even, even uh, Samantha Powers from USAID, of all people, said that the reason they have to slow this down is because they're being shot at by the IDF. It's all obvious. And you get Israeli sycophants online telling you you're racist for pointing out the obvious. But So they're not doing it, right? So it's quite obvious what's happening. Here's the investigation from Euromed Monitor. It says, Euromed Monitor stated that the evidence, which is supported by video footage showing the shooting operation, demonstrates that dozens of victims suffered gunshot wounds rather than being run over or crushed, in contrast to what the Israeli army spokesman claimed. The rights groups highlighted four pieces of evidence confirming the Israeli army's killing and wounding of starving civilians. The first of which is the signs of injuries on the bodies of the dead and the injured. These injuries were documented by a Euromed monitor researcher as soon as the victims arrived at Al Shifa Hospital, as was the blood and flower bags and aid boxes. Now, remember, in regard to the Al Shifa Hospital, don't forget that this was a, even again, even from BBC, even from Euromed Human Rights Monitor, I mean, everybody admitted that what they claimed happened at Al Shifa wasn't reality. There was no proof that it, this, this was even from a UN and an amnesty investigation, if I remember correctly that they said there was no evidence of military presence. There was no evidence of anything. There was only statements and insinuation and conjecture from Israel, like every other part of this. And we could, we also proved early on that the, that the tunnel that they did show was built by Israel. And that's on Wikipedia, for crying out loud. Even Barack, speaking with uh, Amapur, actually, admitted that, yeah, we built that back in the 80s. And yeah, that's the reality. While it was an active hospital, by the way. Talk about human shields. But in any case, it says the second piece of evidence is the footage released by the Israeli army itself, which includes audible evidence of gunfire emanating from Israeli tanks positioned near the coast, which the army purposefully covered up in the video using black. Not like they're covering anything up, are they? It says eyewitnesses have confirmed that the tanks were present close to the crime scene. The third piece of evidence concerns the bullet's distinct sound signature. 
which is audible in the footage released at the time of the shooting and identifies them as coming from an automatic weapon used by the Israeli army with 5.56 bullets. So right there is, is more evidence showing you that Regev knows that they shot people and tried to pretend it was Hamas, but too late, forensic evidence proves that. But it says finally that it was Israeli IDF shooting. Finally, the rights group stated that the aerial video published by the Israeli army is intentionally fragmented and distorted. At minute 106, however, the video footage does does indicate the existence of at least two Israeli tanks, as well as multiple bodies in a, in the path of the tanks rather than the aid trucks. Right. So it's very clear what you're looking at. That they, they, they were in the path, not of the trucks, but the tanks that, who killed them. Now, at the same time, on a weirdly related point, we have evidence coming out that they were using tanks to roll over people. They're, and right now they're questioning whether they were alive when it happened. Innocent Palestinians. That's that disgusting image that's floating around on Twitter. So the point is obvious that this stuff is what they've been doing the entire time. Now here is, uh, this was, let me see, I forget what her, I don't know if doesn't even list it, maybe. Yeah, some, some company he works for, not sure. But he wrote, he's writing this in Hebrew, and it says, the New York Times, on the piece of propaganda that was distributed here, as part of the, quote, investigation on the flower massacre. You're seeing a ridiculous effort by the corporate media to downplay this. Again, that's my point about while acting like they care about certain aspects, they're still doing their job of obfuscating the main reality of this. But it says the drone video, which does not include audio, and I believe I have the link to the main uh, article up here somewhere in one of these next points. Yeah, right here. But it says the drone video, which does not include audio, was edited by the Israeli military with multiple clips spliced together, leaving out a key moment. Before many in the crowd start running away from the trucks, gee, I wonder what they edited out. Some with people crawling behind walls appearing to take cover. Yeah, does that sound like they're running from a stamp? No, they're running from being shot at, guys. And even in this article where they're trying to kind of gaslight the reality, they still actually admit that Israel's lying about it. Here's Kim Iverson saying, after the flower massacre of starving Palestinians by the IDF, the Israeli national security minister actually said, and this is the point that I was saying in the beginning, quote, another reason why we must stop the transfer of aid. <laughs> I mean, that is brutal, guys. That is a special kind of crazy. It says these people are starving. They're desperate. They're clamored. They clamored for food and were gunned down. When the shooting stopped and these starving people went back to the trucks for food, stepping over dead bodies, the IDF started shooting again. Now the Israelis want to stop aid altogether. If you won't call that genocide, what is it? Now, the important part in there, again, which has been backed up by eyewitness testimony, the videos we've shown you, if you're going to tell me this was about the stampede, why did you shoot when they went back for bodies or for food, both of which happened? You know why, guys? It's not hard to understand. Either you're going to lie to yourself about what you is obvious in front of you, to shill for something political or for your two-party illusion or for Zionism, all of which is political, or are you going to acknowledge the hard truth, which is that they're killing people because they don't want them to be alive or they want what's under their feet or a combination of all of it, none of which is something we should pretend is okay. Now, Asal Rod points out the New York Times wrote a haiku to avoid saying Israel massacres Palestinians that they're deliberately starving in Gaza, which would have been an appropriate title. It says, as hungry Gazans crowd a convoy, a crush of bodies, Israeli gunshots, and a deadly toll. 
that's actually like like I mean, I don't, is it actually a crush of body? No, yeah, I think it's actually even. No, it's not exactly a haiku, but the point is the same. Like how embarrassing that is. You have to like contort yourself into the crush of body. Like it's incre- and that's not even the truth. They're just parroting what Israel said happened, which is typically what mainstream journalism does. But weirdly today, we're seeing this weird schism where they're forced to say the truth because they're afraid to lose your support. But Louis Alde Alde points out there is literally nothing that, that nothing Israel can do that will not be obscured, downplayed and facilitated by the heinous Western media. Notably, it's supposedly more respectable and objective elements like the BBC, New York Times and Guardian. I don't agree with that. They are a component of the genocide of war on Gaza. It says the Guardian is calling the massacre food aid related deaths. I I mean, I don't even I don't even need to comment on that. Food aid related deaths. Either you're blindly taking the narrative of Matt of the tramp the stamp stampede, which has been proven to not be what was real responsible for their deaths. Or you're just trying to hide that they literally murdered people who were getting food while starving. (laughs) He says, chaos and die in the headlines. Israel's denial, or lies, in the subheading. A lesson in how to both report on and deny a cold-blooded massacre simultaneously. The point is, you can see, more than 100 Palestinians die, not killed, die. But then Israel rejects the claims. Now, on top of that, it's important to understand, as Muhammad Shihada points out, before yesterday's flower massacre, the IDF had been shooting indiscriminately for weeks at starving Gazans awaiting for trucks at the exact same spot virtually every day. And this is the biggest problem with all this, is we've been trying to show this, the independent media, people being honest about it for, since the beginning. That's not just aid trucks. We showed you how, I mean, let me see if I can grab this one. Uh... Yep, here it is. Perfect. I'll grab both of them. The point is, here's just Egypt. Israel said to, this was the 10th of October, just a few days after this starts, after, you know, the beginning of October 7th forward conversation, Israel said to bomb Rafa crossing to Egypt after telling them to go through it. Right? IDF tells Gazans to flee Egypt. Well, they still can. Hurry, get out of the way. Or this one, right? Where even Haaretz and New York Times proved that they were, in fact, using the most destructive dumb bombs, the ones that aren't really pinpoint targeting, in the areas that they told them to go to to be safe. But but let's pretend like this is some unique moment. The reality is obvious that this has been going on from the very beginning. And even, even, oops. Even in this one location, they've already been targeting people. And we've seen them shooting as they walk along the areas they tell them to go to. We've seen them going, you know, from one area to the next, like going to Al-Mawasi, going to Khan Yunus, and they shoot them both places. They're going to Rafa. They shoot both and bomb both places. So it's just, we have to understand how clearly evident this is, that they're shooting people while telling them to go to food that they told them they would deliver while they starve them. IDF soldiers take uh, uh, post-pot shots at famished, desperate Gazans. And you can see in these videos. This is them trying to get food at the same place. 
and they're being shot at. This is just however many days before. Just let that sink in. The, the, the grotesque reality of how the whole rules-based international order would never admit this to you. Now, this is uh, Fazal uh, Mamar pointing out, quote, they told us the flower would arrive at four o'clock. A tank appeared in front of us. And he goes on to describe how when they got there, they were shot at. Of course, you could argue he's lying. But the reality is that there's a, a mountain of testimony, evidence, video. It's quite overwhelming. Now, let's play some clips from Saeed Arakat speaking with Matt Miller, our favorite on this show, to discuss what his cowardly kind of backpedaling, just the way he deals, the way that the U.S. government deals with all of this. And realize that while they're pretending they're helping, they're still sending bombs. They're still sending the weapons that will hurt the very people they claim they're expressing concerns about. Don't worry, guys. They raised the issue with Israel, so we're good. Nothing matters because Matt said they raised the issue. So let's just go back to sleep. That's how stupid they want you to be. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, you don't have any doubt that only one side did the shooting and the killing and, and, the, and the shelling and so on. Of these people, correct? So I, I have seen reports uh, uh, of, I have seen different reports with right. respect to that very question. Right. Uh, we don't know, as I said earlier, the ground truth of what happened, which is why we're, we think it's appropriate that investigation be conducted. So well, this, this is what's so embarrassing about these kind of games. So this is why Saeed follows up with, will you take, you know, what happens afterward? They, you know how many times they've said that? Where's, I haven't seen a single follow-up. Show me one time Matt Miller's come back and be like, oh yeah, that thing we talked about two weeks ago, I've done the investigation and here's the results. Nope. 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 They go, we'll put it off and we'll come, we'll circle back and they don't do it. So the point is the evidence is already there. The investigations have already been done. They just don't like what's shown or who did it. So they pretend they're going to wait for some other investigation, which will never materialize. And so they just gaslight and ignore war crimes. That's, that's their, that's their, you know, that's their, uh, <laughs> whatever they're, they're, they're remembered for their legacy. Excuse me. I can't remember words today. Do you think that there were, other people shooting? Said I said I have seen reports that other people were shooting. I don't know the ver veracity of any of those reports, which is why we're seeking more information. And All right. Well, the only one saying that is Israel, and it's only one example that I can tell. That's Regev, and and everything else supports that didn't happen. So what he's saying basically is despite all the evidence, we're going to pretend that their statement holds water along the evidence and we're going to act like we're still confused. We don't know yet. We haven't flushed it out. So how are you going to tease out a statement made by an Israeli representative you're going to ask them they're going to go yeah that's what happened do you think they've got video or a signed document so if you when you barely press into this it becomes very clear one they don't want any further investigation but there's not much anything else you can do you're talking about narrative versus the facts and evidence that have already been dug up and they're acting like that causes some kind of imbalance and we have to wait and see do you expect to get any results from these investigations these reports we Will do. you come back to us next week and tell us this is... I can't promise you next week because I don't know how long an investigation will take, but well, certainly, but hold on, certainly when an investigation is completed and we're briefed on that investigation, I'm happy to come uh, brief you on that. Does anyone believe that? Mark, just put a, put a note on your calendar for a month from now and we'll circle, I bet you my life, nothing comes of that. Why is it so difficult for this government to say we condemn the killing of, of children, Palestinian women and children. Why can't you say the word condemn? Uh, we do. We, I, I Saeed, if you listen to them. what I said a moment ago, yeah, I, 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 hold on, hold on, hold, Saeed, please don't interrupt me. Yeah, I said far too many 
right. Palestinians have yeah. died. Thousands right. of Palestinian children have died, and it is a, a tragedy when right. one of them dies. Of course, we don't want to see a single right. child die. Um, we don't want to see anyone die uh, right. as a result of this conflict, which is why we have been working to bring this conflict to a close as soon as possible. But uh, whenever you ask me these questions, I do think you continue to kind of just elide over the fact that Hamas bears a great deal of responsibility for putting those children in harm's way. Nobody has proven a single example of that today. I mean, like October 7th forward. But even before that, as the argument Robert made, the U.N. did an investigation and came to the conclusion that there was not evidence to back that up. That, that's already been done. And since then, I have not seen a single provable example other than Israel using Palestinian children to march into buildings, which has happened three times just since October 7th. Not even to get into the obvious reality of the neighbor procedure and the whole segments I've done on the open secret of how of human shields used by Israel. Zachary Foster went a whole sweep and a whole thing about it today. Well, you'll see it tomorrow. It's provable history. But so all he can keep doing is pointing to a narrative put forward by Israel versus all the facts. That's what you're going to keep seeing. That's his job. I bet, I'm willing to bet you he's got some written out description of how to do just that. Remember, it was Hamas that launched this war in the first place nope. with an attack on Israel that killed men, women, and children, and that Hamas that hid and continues to hide behind children is human shields. So, okay. yes, yeah, can't prove that. Just say it again. It doesn't make it any more valid. Yes, we, do, yes, we, we do not want to see any child yeah. die. We don't want to see any innocent civilian die, which is why we are working so hard to try to achieve a temporary ceasefire that would alleviate their suffering. Yeah, yeah but, but I'll tell you what, though, 500,000 children in Iraq, well, it was worth it, though. Totally worth it. But go on, Matt, and tell us again how you don't want that to happen. But that one's worth it, though. I don't think you're listening to what I said. What I said is we believe the way to ultimately solve this problem is to try to get a temporary ceasefire that would get hostages out and alleviate this problem and let... Uh, 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 make it possible for aid to move around and get pe food in people's mouths so they're not so hungry and they're not so desperate that they're swarming the convoys that do come in. One last Allow question. Me. One last yeah. question. Do you suspect that uh, Mr. Netanyahu perhaps authorized this uh, raid to scuttle the negotiation? There is, no, there, there, there is no evidence of that that I have seen. Said. I love that. You know why he says that? Because everybody knows he's that, that this is something that Haaretz has written about, the Times of Israel has written about, the reality being that Netanyahu, as, as a common tactic, uses things like this to benefit himself politically. There's whole articles written about how he'll just bomb Gaza when he wanted to get some political momentum going before an election. But yet, but they, you know, but no, you know, I, I'm glad he floats that out, though. That, so that's an important thing to, to remember. I actually feel like I might have skipped one of these videos. Let me see, see if this one's any different. This war began way yeah. before. Sorry about that. Let me play this one first and I'll play like last one. I guess this, the last one's not as important, but this is important. Saeed pushes back on the, the lie that it started on October 7th. And oh, and by the way, don't forget, I never heard Matt Miller say condemn. Did you? Where was that word condemn that he said he, he you know, pushed back on? Didn't say it. Way before October 7th. I mean, you know, in fact, the reason that this administration was so strong on, you know, pursuing a Middle East peace and so on, because the war had been going on for, for decades before and so on. We heard this administration when they came into office talking about reopening the consulate, talking about reopening the 
the, the PLO office here talking about restarting and reigniting uh, peace talks and so on, re-aiding uh, UNRWA and so on, simply because that war has been going on for a very long time. Because so, Gaza was under siege for a very, very long time. Saeed, so nothing, I, no, nothing that happened before October 7th justifies what Hamas did on that. No one said that. But you see, this is a tactful, already planned response to something just like that. The point is simply to say, well, obviously this not begin on the 7th. For you to immediately make that about somehow you trying to rationalize or defend crimes that happened is absurd. But it also hides the fact that what they did was legally protected under international law per the 4th Geneva Convention that an occupied territory has the right legally to armed resistance, armed rebellion. Either he doesn't aware, doesn't know that, and then he's the worst person ever in this job. You know, the point is he knows that. They all know that. This his job is to make sure that we tactfully avoid acknowledging that reality by trying to present uh, Saeed with a the, the question or rather the response in a way that makes him feel like he has to push back and say, I didn't mean that I was rational. Instead of going into the point that's actually being made that, yes, they have been murdering, occupying and I mean, everything else you can put at them since, you know, 75 years that day and it is it is what hamas did on that justifies what hamas did on that day and it is it is what hamas did on that day that led to the outbreak of this war and led to the suffering of so many innocent palestinians again so you're blaming because hamas took action and israel does things forward we're five months into this so you're still pretending you're defending yourself you're still pretending that every person they kill is hamas's fault what if it goes on for five years is it still hamas's fault every day they kill somebody Obviously, there's a problem there, right? This is how disgusting these people are, pretending like they're trying to fight for good things around the world while actively hiding the, the worst that's going on. And I, I, I just feel it's important okay. to correct that fact. That's fine. I mean, you know, you, you guys said this many times before, but in fact, you know, Israel has been waging war on Gaza for a, a very, very long time. Let me ask you on the aid True. issue, on the trucks and the trailers and so on. Is there anyone other than Israel that is holding the aid from going in? Uh, it is not a question of aid going in. That's not the the, the problem right now, Hamas. Uh, uh, the pro- <laughs> what do you actually call Hamas? That's kind of funny. That's not the the, the problem right now, Hamas. Uh, uh, the problem is that when aid gets in, there is a distribution problem right. inside Gaza right now because there are police officers, some of whom are members of Hamas, right. who have been providing this, the security for those. Uh, uh, for that distribution inside inside Gaza. And what Israel says is that they have a legitimate right to go after members of Hamas. So, so really quickly before Slade answers with the perfect thing to say here is let's realize, well, two things, three things, really. One, uh, Israel's funding Hamas historically. That always has to matter to this. Anything when they use Hamas is the reason for X, Y, and Z. But we have to also realize that what's happening in this recent example that is the point of this, the flower massacre, Hamas, uh, uh, well, Hamas provably by their videos were not there, right? That's the point. They're not, there's no evidence based on their own video presence of any resistance fighting going on. That's what they've already been caught. It's starving Palestinians and IDF members around it. But the point is UNRWA is not there. Neither is the World Food Program because they weren't able to, that statement was made. I just went over that. So if they know that, how are you, and the premise is about the massacre, why are you pointing at the United Nations? In a broad sense, well, there's a distribution problem. Well, the point is that they weren't there in the first place, so that means you knew that this was happening and then used it to shoot people. But even then, 
The point that Said makes is the reality, even if you want to pretend that Hamas is all over the place like they're saying, if Israel funded them and made sure this was the reality and let this be, go on, they made sure this would be something they could always point at because of what Said says here. We would uh, uh, obviously prefer to see members of a security force inside Gaza who are not Hamas members, but that's not where we are today. So, so, it, is, so, so it is a situation that we continue to try to work so, through. So this is really the classic Catch-22 kind of situation because... Hamas governed Gaza for a very long time. All the police, all the, you know, many, well many of the security forces and so on. Unless you supply Gaza with, with police and uh-huh. you know, other um, staff, people, whatever, who are from Egypt, from anywhere, to distribute these things, it's going to be the same people to distribute it. As I said, right? it is. So this is really, you're saying, okay, you can't, you know, it's a catch. It's exactly, it's obvious, right? So you, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. Israel funded, and again, I can't wait for you guys to watch the interview tomorrow with Zach. It's on my mind. The, the history around that is a really great thread about the reality of how clearly Hamas was driven to be what it is. And, you know, it, even themselves stating it was, it's a creation of Israel. That that's very clearly a dynamic that would matter in how this went forward, right? So that they driv- drove this into reality with their own efforts, their own funding. And the point then is that after 2005 forward, well, yes, then they were allowed to govern this area, which means by default, they're going to have influence over all of this stuff. And then again, whether or not you agree with it, that was the reality by default. And also because Israel made that the case. Now it's because you've set this situation up to be an it's escape. You could. Everybody in the entire area has some overlap because they were literally being governed by them for years, whether they wanted it or not. And and this is where I genuinely want to, I always question why we think Israel would have ever allowed an election for a group that at the time they were calling a terrorist organization. It just doesn't make any sense. But who knows? Either way, you have to acknowledge that obviously makes sense and realize that there's individual people that join these groups because they want to push back. doesn't make them automatically terrorists. And quite frankly, we can see that the larger group as a whole today is not what they are pointing or not out what they not what they're being claimed to be. And I think that's because it has changed a lot over the years, but still have to consider Israeli influence there. But if they are the policemen in some cases, and I mean like the overlap, not like legitimate active members of Hamas, maybe in some cases, but people that are there as a general sense, not to say that it's even the case in this incident, but then using them to justify what you then do or don't do. It's aside made an excellent point there. They've manufactured a reality where no matter what they do, they can just simply point at the phantom of Hamas, and in some cases it connects. It's like with UNRWA. This is a group that's been around. You're going to have some kind of an overlap, but to say that they work for Hamas or have people that are proudly arguing they want to kill Jews, it's all a manufactured illusion that even Canada, the United States, have now pushed back on. Now, let me see if this, let me play this one again, if there's any connected point here. I don't think you're listening to what I said. What I said is we believe the way to ultimately solve this problem is to try to get a temporary ceasefire that would get hostages out and alleviate this problem and uh, 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 make it possible for aid to move around and get food in people's mouths. I'm going to wait on this, actually. There's a ceasefire point I want to make, but I'm going to wait till we get to that in a second. So I'll remember to come back to that. Remind me in the chat if I forget. So. Let's talk about the aid in general, because this is the most insulting part about it all, is that this this one example was just one part of this ongoing starvation campaign. And the starvation campaign, just one leg of a massive genocide effort. So after all this time, right, going on five months, the U.S. government actively vetoing any attempt to stop it, continuing to fund and arm every aspect of this, including with generals on the ground per Axios, 
and it, people literally boots on the ground, military personnel, everything. Suddenly, today, U.S. begins airdropping aid to Ukraine. Oh, Gaza. Biden accidentally said Ukraine in a meeting, which is just embarrassing. The point is, or maybe they actually did, who knows? But the point is they bear-dropped aid to Gaza, according to the papers, according to their narrative, and according to some videos that I've seen from the Gaza side. I said, U.S. begins airdropping aid to Gaza, dot, dot, while sending all the bombs that will moments later kill the same people the aid is being used by. Hashtag ceasefire now. That is how you have to read that. Just like with the pause or temporary ceasefire. It's not if, if the reality of anything like that is going to amount to people who are given food moments later, bombed and starved to death. It's only a game, a game to manipulate the situation to get people back from Hamas. Right. Which innocent people should not be held to ca captive. And we should care about that for both sides, though. Right. So we should care about the innocent people being held in Israeli prisons, too. And they all should matter. The problem is that every dynamic like this is about creating the law. It's stretching out the problem. We know what would stop this. Everybody seems to know what would stop this. Israel is desperate to continue it per their own statements. Even if we have a deal, we're going to go into Rafa anyway. That's what he said publicly. But they're going to drop in a fraction of aid after starving people for five, five months, delivering the weapons that continue to kill them, and then it turns out they only dropped 38,000 meals. 2.4 million people starving in Gaza, 38,000 meals. Now, sure, you can't drop it all at once, but guys, that is an insult. It's an insult even within one actual drop. And I think that's the problem. On top of that, it turns out some of it was expired. Now, these are coming from people on the ground. Take it for what you will. But I think this adds up with exactly what these people have done in the past, especially when Israel's involved. Now, Francesca Albanese, I'm just thinking, I think I might have mispronounced her name in our interview today, but she she is one of the people that has been actively pushing back on this. She's the one that continues to make sure you know that, yes, it is occupied that yes, this is an illegal occupation, which does means, yes, they have a right to legally armed resistance. But she writes, Toddler Anar from North Gaza had puffy cheeks and bright eyes 4.5 months ago. You remember this picture? This was a pretty prominent picture that went around in the beginning of this. This right here. This is what she looks like today. I just want this to scar your memory. I'll be able to understand who are pushing back on this the few out there that may actually genuinely have a heart and still may not realize what's going on, recognize this picture and, and realize that this is forever. This is, this is the one shot that tells you what's going on. The innocent child who is starving to death, no matter what the narrative is, what makes that okay? Because there's a Hamas man around. Can we just go, Oh, okay. Then, then I agree with that. What kind of person can stand here and say that this is okay. And for any reason, what is it that fill in the blank that can make you act like this is something that we should nod along with and go, oh, now I understand. This is not okay. 15,000 children, there is no narrative that suddenly makes that acceptable. This is what the guy was saying. I don't think you realize where you actually are. This is horrifying. This child died of starvation today. She said, I can't even begin to process the horror his parents may have gone through being unable to feed him. I'm sorry, I think I said it was a girl to begin with. In any case, the point is, just it just breaks my heart. Dying of starvation, of all things, while suffering through all the stress and chaos, it's just the worst possible way to die. 
And it took four, four and a half months. There's nobody responsible for this outside of the government's allowing it to happen and the government's doing the bombing. They're all completely, or the way to say it is they're all completely responsible. And they all bear the responsibility for the suffering of the people that they're acting like are some kind of side point of a conversation. That, well, we're trying to flesh out the reality. We're trying to figure out about this or that or trying to investigate the individual bombings. I don't care about that. I care about this. They care about the moment-to-moment suffering of the people that are continuing to do so while your so-called leaders act like we have to figure it out. Daniela Modas points out, Mohammed Mustafa is a Gazan journalist. We were able to deliver food to the child, Yazan, who is malnourished and starving after aid from the airdrops. This is a child who's starving to death This is a a Gazan journalist who is bringing the food from some of the stuff that they were able to get from these airdrops. And my point is simply to show you that just because there's stuff coming in does not ultimately mean that this is meeting any needs. I mean, truly, like, think about the reality of you're starving to death and you are literally dying and somebody gives you a box of crackers. Like, sure, that's, you desperately need that. But then what? Right? What's next? If it's if if that's the game of the temporary pause, if that's all that's happening, well, it's it's a it's an insult. It is it is a it is a it's torture to pretend like that's enough. I don't understand how anybody could pretend that this is not happening. This is like pretending that in Yemen, at the peak of this problem, that there was no starvation. This is what's going on. Take a look, Joe Biden, Netanyahu, Elon Levy, Eli David. Take a look at this. And you tell me that this is all okay because Hamas bad guy. However you try to make that make sense. Here is medical aid for Palestinians saying this is the fastest decline in a population's nutrition status ever recorded. That means children are being starved at the fastest rate the world has ever seen. It's amazing to me how many records have been set in this genocide. And yet we're still debating whether it's a genocide. Explain first why viewers, why aid isn't being allowed in. Where is the aid? It's very simple. It's because the Israeli military won't let it in. We could end this starvation tomorrow very simply if they would just let us have access to people there, but but it's not being allowed. This is what they said on the 7th of October. Nothing will go in, and and so it remains the case. And for people in the north... That's important. Don't let you forget. That's the insulting part about this. They publicly said no water, no food, no fuel, which, by the way, fuel has yet to ever go back in, which is a huge point that we're missing today because that means everything else... I mean, some of the food they might need to use, that, that means everything stops. That means they have basic, basic food in a sense. Like they can't even heat things. They can't cook things other than other ways to do that with like wood and fire on the ground. Like this is fuel. They can't have any medical processes. The point is, listen, 
They told you in the beginning that this was going to stop. Now today, they act like you can't remember that. Acting like, like the people on, on Twitter saying uh, there's literally, I'll show you next, showing you pictures of overflowing aid going, oh, there's so much aid we don't know what to do with. It's all because of Hamas. These are people that know that they're starving people. They're laughing about it and then pretending like it's somebody else's fault. It just makes my skin crawl. And these are the people that literally just got caught posting. I can stop saying that. Posting, it is the truth, but I hate that word lately. Posting fake images of a bakery that's already been destroyed. That was the people, that's both both of them, Eli David and Elon Levy. They posted the images going, look at all the bread everywhere in a bakery that we can prove they already bombed into absolute nothing. In fact, the entire refugee camp area has been destroyed. But yet, they'll just show you images of bread in hopes they can lie people out of their position. of Gaza is even worse because no food is reaching them anymore. And so, case, and for people in the north of Gaza, it's even worse because no food is reaching them anymore. And so my own staff, my own colleague, Abir, has been eating animal feed. And horrifyingly, the food that they were eating, which is food for horse and donkeys, is now running out. And now they're eating bird seed. The statistics also tell their own story. One in six children under the age of two in the north of Gaza are now acutely malnourished. This is the fastest decline in a population's nutrition status ever recorded. And what that means is that children are being starved at the fastest rate the world has ever seen. And we could finish it tomorrow. We could save them all, but we're not being able to. Jesus. Fastest ever. Most journalists killed, most children in a time period, most amount of bombs in the area size versus the time frame. I mean, everything about this, they are breaking records for genocide. And And they're still pretending it's not even happening. Here is Lewis Alde pointing out, no fuel's been delivered to Gaza since the end of October. That that in and of itself is a war crime. Because that, I mean, every one of these are collective punishment. Now here's Elon Levy. Spokesman for October 7th, because that's not weird at all. It's like having a 9-11 spokesman. It's just, it's, it's, it's all about propaganda. Now, that's in no way to suggest that that was a 9-11, but it's, the same, it's about the propaganda, right? The idea that they, they want you to believe this is some kind of monumental moment that will never be forgotten. The same of the way the U.S. government dealt with the false flag that was 9-11 that they were involved with, but the same point being that on the day this started, that's where they already had a spokesman in place. I mean, it just it screams exactly what we now see this is for what it is. But he says, while misinformation or malice, malicious actors claim Israel isn't letting enough aid into Gaza, the content of 300 humanitarian aid trucks is sitting on the Gazan side. You know, ignore, ignore medical aid for Palestinians and international groups, the UN, Oxfam, UNICEF, ignore all of them who are just like this woman here telling you, we're watching them deny it. Egypt telling you, we can prove they won't let it come through. Everything. And he just goes, no, you're lying. It's on your side. I can see it. Waiting for them to pick it up. Oh, waiting for aid agencies. Oh, gee, you mean UNRWA? Didn't you just tell us that was Hamas, but now you want them to pick it up? I wonder why you didn't use the word UNRWA. Or the fact that you know, March 1st, that they're not doing it right now. So however you spin this, first of all, it's not even true. It's not even in that place. Secondarily, you're pointing to a group that you want us to think is Hamas, and you know they're not there, but now saying that that's why it's not moving? So aren't you responsible for getting UNRWA put? Yeah. So then isn't that your fault? Either way you spin it. (laughs) I mean, they're going to shoot themselves in the feet. You're lying about everything. You're going to get caught. But then don't worry. Here's what proves it. It's a screen. It's a shot. It's an image of one bed of a truck with some things on it. Well, well, I'm sold. I'm completely sold. 
That's literally it, by the way. And you can look at all the people pointing out he's lying down here in a thousand different ways. I mean, I think this was even one I just pointed out. Well, not only Israeli settlers blocking the aid and having all sorts of government assets tell you that they're proud about that. So that's pretty clear. But here's another one. This was on the March 1st. This was 9 a.m. yesterday. Same day. Three hours later. So this is my point about the way they do this. If you were just sharing a thought, you would, you would post it. Pin it to the top of your feed, right? No, what they do is they post the same sentiment 16 different ways throughout, you know, at 14 different points of the day. Like I said, they keep doing it. You, I, I keep trying to show you, scroll through their feeds. It's crazy. It's just repetition, same points in a little bit different context, but same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. And today's, the point there was the aid trucks. Aid trucks, massacre, flower massacre. Now it says, I know it's inconvenient to the narrative, but the contents of 300 aid trucks are sitting on the garden side. You just said that right here. Same point. But why take responsibility for your failure when you can blame Israel? Who are you pointing at, buddy? Who are you pointing at? UNRWA's not there, man. It's just, it's, it's just painful to watch these guys flounder in their lives. And the point is simple. As Fazal Manar points out, or any number of other people. I mean, I don't, it's not even, you shouldn't even need to prove this right now. This is today. Secretary General of the Norwegian Refugee Council shared this video depicting hundreds of aid trucks queued up at the Rafa and Kareem Crossing awaiting entry into Gaza. Oops. So all these trucks, he killed, they're all, it's just not true, guys. They're not getting the food. There's no one in there to receive it, not in regard to UNRWA or the World Food Program that might actually deliver it, who isn't Hamas. Israel is doing this and using that to shoot the people that try to get the food. They've manufactured this. And no matter how you look at it, Israel is, in fact, responsible for making sure this goes to the people that they have a legal responsibility to make sure are safe, the Palestinians, because of their occupation. But they just keep lying, and that makes me sick. Here is Arnaud Batrand highlighting. I, I, I shared this a while ago. This is from the 23rd. Just highlighting the fact that this is what's going on. The, this is Avi Schlam, and uh, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head again. I just was talking about it earlier. Oh, right there, Nick, uh, Nick Maynard, Oxford surgeon. He's one of the ones we already talked about who was there. He's telling you what he saw. These are Arab, Muslim, Palestinian, whatever. These are people from London, people from, I mean, and Avi is an is a Israeli uh, historian, British Israeli. They're both there telling you what they're seeing is horrific. Listen to it for yourself. He's telling you that what he's operating on is mostly women and children, despite all the lies. So that means that even if they want to pretend Hamas human shields, then why does that four-year-old child have a gunshot wound in his leg? You tell me how that makes sense. And, re and the reality being that it was at the location where you shot at people. It's obvious what's going on, and we all know it. It's just important to make sure that the average, per average person who may be on the fence, who hasn't seen this, that you do your best to get it in front of them. Far, far worse than we had expected. Appalling injuries, mainly in kids and women. But the narrative, of course, being peddled that it's all, they're only targeting Hamas militants, therefore young males. I operate on far more women than I did males. We saw mainly a lot of children coming in with the most appalling injuries, many of whom you knew were going to die, and you couldn't give them pain relief. There was often no morphine. There was nowhere for them to die in dignity. So often they were just literally left lying on the floor of the corner of the emergency department to die. All right, so, so that's the reality, and now they're starving too. 
right? So they were literally, oh, they have no fuel, right? They had kids lying on the floor, ampute, amputating arms and legs with no, no anesthesia, no, no pain, kill, nothing. That's the reality. And then on top of that, now they're all starving too. But human shields. And here's the thing. If we can't even get these people to say the word Palestine, I think we need to kind of confront the reality that they're not on the side of humanity. And this is how embarrassing this is. And of course, this is examples of the, the clumsy press secretary trying not to say Palestine as if there was never a Palestine. At the very least, what it shows you is that there is pressure from, from Israel. Where else? Pressuring them to not state the word Palestine. Why would that be the case? So we need to make sure uh, that, um, you know, we have those conversations with, with, uh, with Israel on protecting uh, innocent lives in, Palestine, in the Palestinian lives in Gaza. We need to get all important humanitarian aid into Gaza to the innocent people of, Palest of, the Palest of, of Palest Palestinian people. How embarrassing. To make sure that they have what they need, whether it's food, whether it is uh, medical assistance. What President Biden wants to do is to have a different Middle East where you have a two-state solution where the people of Israel can live in peace and the people, the Palestinians can live in peace and have their own governing boards. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's very transparent. Some things you, in your mind go, oh, wait, wait, no, don't say that word. So let's talk about the ceasefire. Last two parts about this. As I wrote today, or yesterday, excuse me, I think I put this out today, but he wrote yesterday, tell your friends, Hamas, to, to release the hostages. Then you'll have a ceasefire. Well, he's responding to Antonio Guterres, who said, I'm appalled by the tragic human toll of the conflict in Gaza. More than 30,000 people reported killed and over 70,000 injured. Again, that, the reason he's saying that is because it doesn't really matter. What You can't just be like, but here's why. That doesn't matter. You've gone beyond that number. You've gone be you, whatever the number is, they've gone beyond the line where suddenly you can't just go, oh, well, you know, there was a bad guy there, right? Like, let's, just, let's take it back to one, to one person, right? You've got one, or let's just say two people. You've got a murderer and you've got a child. And that murderer is holding a woman hostage. And the point is, well, if you kill the woman to kill the hostage at the same time to save the child, well, some people might go, yeah, I, I agree with that, which I just, I've, that's a line for me. You should always, you can't let governments make those kind of decisions because this how, this how this goes. So you can see that there's a line, right? But it's somewhere along that line, the number becomes like, you know, 30,000 children or people with the bad guy and you kill them all to kill the bad guy. People are going to go, well, you're a lunatic. Right? 400 people in a refugee camp. One person who wasn't even there. Yeah, you're a murdering maniac. So this is where we've gotten and they haven't realized it or they don't care. So he simply acknowledges that no matter what you want to say about it, this is horrifying. Which anybody with a heart, a soul, is going to go, yeah, it's crazy. And that doesn't even mean we're immediately going to blame them. It just means that you can acknowledge whoever's responsible. This is disgusting and bad. He doesn't even say that Israel's responsible for it, right? But this is my point. He says, tell your Hamas friends to release the hostages and you'll have ceasefire. So just to be very clear, Antonio Guterres is talking about civilians. That's what we're discussing here. And whether you, whether, let's just even say you pretend that it's not all. Many of them are. All of them are, but many of them are civilians, even if you want to pretend that they're Hamas. So what he's saying is, tell your friends, of course, because they're just pathetically trying to, UN is Hamas. Tell Hamas to release the hostages. And then you'll get the ceasefire that will stop that. So 
as I said, clumsy Eli David once again, inadvertently acknowledging that this has always been a collective punishment campaign waged against civilians. I don't think, I think they just don't think about it. With their snide little quips, they think they're going to, because his point here was to go, your friend's Hamas. That's what he was trying to accomplish right there. You're Hamas. But oopsie, you made the clear point that 30,000 people dying will stop if you let our people go. You know, the Kid Rock argument. We'll murder civilians until you let our people go. That's what's actually going on. And this clumsy, manipulative person just made that case. Here's another example. Oh, and then by the way, the point here, somebody else posted this down below saying, tell your friends to release the hostages and then you'll have an end, right? No, because Netanyahu literally just said, Israeli military will enter Rafah even if a deal is reached. So they're not even trying to engage with the facts. The point would be, release the hostages. Well, they're going to go kill more people anyway. They just made this clear. Here he is pointing out something that you should take, you should take a look at. This is, uh, I believe this was, Shoot, I knew I was going to grab the other one. I had another video up, and I grabbed this one because I, I, I used my comment. I want to say it was Khan Yunus. That's important. Damn it. I don't want to have to try to find it. Anyway, the point is this is a, a location in Gaza, I believe in southern Gaza. Either way, to see what happens to this, to argue that this is somehow only Hamas or pinpoint targeting Hamas or whatever they claim, it's just willful ignorance. Because you can clearly see that this is a, they're flattening. They are literally flattening to dirt a massive area that held hundreds of thousands of people. There's no other reason for that than building settlements and ethnic cleansing. So Mario Nafal just says, you know, look at them all disappearing. Should we have a ceasefire? Eli David says, Hamas certainly doesn't think so. They just rejected the deal. Same thing. And this is what becomes so, and I mean, again, I don't know whether everybody just laughs at this person and we all disagree with him, or if there are still some people who have good intentions that are being misled by him. My point being, I'm getting, I'm starting to wonder whether I should even care that they just keep lying about it. You guys tell me, but I think it's important that people need to see this is a lie. And I said, again, just blithely admitting collective punishment, by the way, you fool, <laughs> but you also lie as usual about who is refusing what Netanyahu has been quoted as saying, not even a deal will stop the genocide, but please keep misinforming your sycophant audience. And this is this, uh, Netanyahu on the seventh already rejected the ceasefire proposal. They just leave out that part of the conversation. That's a very intentional aspect of it. Oh, oh, of course I'm an idiot. See, I always think ahead. It is Khan Yunus. Here it is, by the way, from, uh, Cuts News Network. You can watch it. Actually, what's interesting is that 13? No, same clip. But here is an interesting point from Times of Israel. Hamas said to deride deal outline as Zionist document as Qatar sees race against time. My point here is to highlight the fact that the reason what they're saying here is to highlight the fact that they can rec they know what this, there's a Zionist manipulation taking place. Hamas is not going to accept. Well, I shouldn't say that. They've made it clear they don't want to accept any deal that is not a full ceasefire, aid being let in, and a full hostage exchange, which, by the way, they've offered since the first week that even corporate media has acknowledged. So going forward, many of you heard me say this many times, the point is they've always offered it. It's been on the table. And we and again, we, we could prove that in this very conversation. Read this article. It's very clear. It was proposed. Netanyahu rejects the proposal. You can't pretend that's not happening. Now, then Netanyahu comes back with a half proposal or a different one saying, well, we want a nine day ceasefire with only 100 people exchanged. And they say no. 
So yes, it is not dis, it's not untrue to say that they rejected their offer, but it's a ridiculous uh, nobody other than Israel wants that. Not even the families want that. They want all of their people back, not some of them, because many of them are dying the longer they stay there because of IDF bombings per them. But the point would be that if you if you only and, well, and then obviously if you temporary, they're going to one arrest a lot more people before letting them back out or then wrap them back up after they the pause ends. So it basically amounts to giving them some food, still starving, by the way, letting out some people only to wrap their, arrest them back up again, which by the way, they've already been arresting new people. They've already, the point would be that you're going to end up having more people arrested than before the ceasefire ever happened, which is exactly what happened last time. And then go right back to murdering them. So you go past the ceasefire fake pause you end up in the same position other than the hostages and your leverage being removed. So even if you think that's what you want, recognize from a strategic perspective, Hamas is not going to take that. So at best, you have to pretend, acknowledge that both of them are disagreeing with the others offered ceasefire deal. Only one of them is a permanent one, or at least a lasting one. My point would be that Israel could obviously go right back to bombing them like they always have the moment that they get what they want. That's what's going to happen anyway. But to acknowledge this and not acknowledge the fact that they're refusing all of their people back every single time. Like, we have to remember that. No matter how you look at this, they keep refusing their people because they don't like the deal. Here's what Al Jazeera wrote. U.S. says Israel more or less accepts the framework. But that's not true. And this is the game that keeps getting played. Hamas has stated what they want. And as I said before, maybe they'll choose to take a deal, especially with Ramadan coming up. That's what's included here. Maybe. I don't know why that would happen because they seem to recognize it's not going to lead to anywhere positive. So my point would be that it's most likely they're going to continue to refuse the faux ceasefire that only Israel wants while offering a full ceasefire immediately after every time. So it's not like they're denying it and walking away. They go, but here's still the full deal that we have offered from the very beginning. Now, you, the U.S. government keeps playing this game with Israel where they pretend like this. I, I saw this all over Corp Media today, the last couple hours. Israel more or less accepts the deal. Now it's up to Hamas. Well, the point is, they're not even included right now. Hamas is not even in, the, they've already said no. So this is a fake back and forth make, to, to pressure Hamas publicly and to make it look like they're the ones that keep refusing something. Let me show you what they wrote here. It says the United States says Israel has essentially endorsed a framework for a proposed ceasefire. It's the same dumb thing they tried and it was already refused. So they just pretend like they proposed it again and Netanyahu's on board. But it's if they I almost I would almost be willing to argue that the reason Netanyahu says yes to even this is because he's sure that the Palestinians will say no. But it's saying a framework for a proposed Gaza ceasefire and captive release deal that is now up to the Palestinian group. So that that to the average person, you're going to read that and go, oh, so Hamas is refusing that. But that's the way you set this up to look like they didn't offer a full exchange, which was first refused. And the insult of a fake deal was put back to them. Now it says there's a framework deal. The Israelis have more or less accepted it, says an anonymous U.S. official. Of course. And it says right now the ball is in the camp of Hamas. In, in, anonymous. You see where I'm going with this? It's about trying to press the idea that they're the only ones upholding everything, but even this deal was not for all of them. International mediators have worked for weeks to broker a deal to pause the fighting before Ramadan. Um, it begins on March 10th. So that's a, a, a U.S.-Israeli conversation 
that Hamas has roundly been like, nope, we don't want, just like Netanyahu says, we don't want to deal without a full ceasefire. They've been saying we don't want anything that doesn't offer a full exchange and a full ceasefire. But it says news of the framework deal, quote, sounds like a significant development from the Americans because they want it to sound like a significant significant development, says Al Jazeera Bernard Smith. Al Jazeera's Bernard Smith reporting from Ramallah. So that's the point, guys. And that's not I, that's the opinion I was holding before I even read this, because that's what they've been doing. They keep floating that idea. He says, quote, but it clearly looks like an attempt to pile on the pressure on Hamas before the Muslim fasting month of Ramadan begins in just over a week from now, saying that the proposal is presenting them with a six-week pause in fighting and the promise of more aid deliveries. So think about how insulting that is. A six-week pause, only a temper, uh, not a full exchange, and the promise of more aid. Well, gee, let's place all of our hopes on the promise of a Zionist Israeli government. How well you think that's going to work out? Naim's comments followed remarks from Joe Biden on Monday that a truce was weak away. He said that many times already. Comments from this is him trying to gain political clout, act like he's the peacemaker. Al Jazeera's Hamda Sulhut, reporting from Tel Aviv, said there had not been any Israeli response to the Biden administration officials' comments about the ceasefire framework. So now I'm starting to wonder if this is just literally the Biden administration pretending that everything's happening while neither side wants anything to happen, at least not in the sense that the offers, they're, they're, they won't want to accept the other's offer. Quote, over the last week, the only thing we've been hearing about are impasses when it comes to this deal and conflicting reports about where delegations are not being sent. It literally says in recent days, several Israeli media outlets have reported that there will not even be an Israeli delegation going to the next round of talks. You see my point? I don't believe this is not genuine. It's about manufacturing hatred and animosity against anything Palestinian. A senior Egyptian official said mediators in Egypt and Qatar, you know, Qatar, where the leadership of Hamas is being safely protected by Israel and funded, the same thing I keep pointing out, they're not going after those guys, but we promise we're going to eliminate Hamas by taking out the worker, you know, the, the average, the, 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 the body of it. But while the head is over there, right? It doesn't make any sense. I think they're protecting their asset, in my opinion. And they're expected to receive a response from Hamas during the Cairo talks, reportedly scheduled to start on Sunday, so tomorrow. Well, you know, I mean, you're gonna, I'm willing to bet you what you're going to get is Hamas going, well, no, we've already offered a full deal. That's on the table. They keep you know, giving us an insult back. That's still on the table. But if they do, maybe Ramadan will change that. But I, I, I still offer, I argue it's just simply... The only thing it's going to do is prolong the problem. Hamas, it says, has not backed away from its position that a temporary truce must be the start of a process towards ending the war altogether. Egyptian sources have said, now this is where it gets a little, no, this is interesting because this would ultimately rely on, I guess, a promise of Israel, but it would set them up to be the one that falters on it, I guess, but they'll just blame Hamas for firing a rocket or whatever they've always done. The point is that Hamas is basically saying that if we agree to a temporary thing, we have to have it on record that that is in the interest of an actual end. Not after you destroy Hamas, but an actual discussion about a, an end now. And that, But Israel will never accept that. Now it says, during a Qatari-mediated week-long truce in November, 105 captives were released in exchange for 150 Palestinian women and children. But the point was that before that, They'd already arrested hundreds of people, and then they scooped up the same people they arrested the, net, the weeks following, many of them. That was roundly reported, even by corporate media. 
So you see how that's an illusion? Why you would play that game knowing that they're going to arrest more than they ever started with? And the point is the week-long truce. Do you remember why that stopped? This is important for the conversation of the hostages because they tried to return the the bodies of the Bebas family. The father had admitted that they were killed by IDF bombings. Dan Cohen covered the fact that even I think it was NBC was forced to acknowledge that on one of their episodes with an interview with Israeli counterparts. And yet people like Eli David continued to pretend their child is alive and they're still holding him. And because that's the baby they keep referencing. They took babies hostage. Well, they did. And that's a crime and it should be accountable for it. The point is IDF bombings killed that family. The father admitted it and they keep using their memory, using them to act like they need to get them back while still bombing where they killed them. It's disgusting, and they know that, and nobody seems to care about them other than people that are being called racist for trying to stop this. Now, in regard to the occupation, now right now we're about almost two hours. I, I actually wanted this to be shorter today so we could focus on that point. I pro- I'm, I'm going to go through a lot of this in another one. I just want to make sure, I'm going to end really quickly with the point here that they're going to build these settlements. It's not up for debate. It's one of the most insulting aspects of this, maybe save for pretending this is not a genocide. The fact that they're telling you on the record, ministers of their, of their the, the, the current ruling faction of their government are telling you we're building settlements. We've got plans. We've got money a lot. We've got conferences. It's all over the place. Here is an, a current example as of yesterday of members of both the IDF and settlers, illegal settlers going into Gaza. You can hear in the background, they're going, oh, we're in Gaza, it's crazy. And they're walking in and they're, they're looking at the open area that they're going to now settle and illegally occupy. There's many of the examples. I'll go over it more depth in a coming show. Here is, interestingly enough, this, I'll go over why this is so interesting. You have Jewish illegal settlers screaming at IDF members, saying, were you one of the ones that got manipulated by the Hamas members? They calls them a Nazi. Literally calls the IDF member a Nazi. Don't you find that interesting? It just, what it really shows me is the kind of oversized influence that this the illegal Zionist extremist side of all this has. And not even the IDF members, by and large, are just all blindly part of it. What's, I just It's interesting. But there is a very clear es- issue with the Zionist manipulation of all this. Here's one of the settlers, again, telling you the thing we reported on two days ago, confirming it and telling you, yep, that's what it was. That, yeah, they did, in fact, build two wooden structures to symbolize Israeli homes on the inside of the Gaza fence. She's proudly telling you that. That's a war crime, no matter how you spin it. Even that, even it, Biden would tell you that's wrong. They don't care. Let's not forget, in regard to the fact that they are going to do this, they already offered this in the beginning. Egypt, quote, considers deal to accept 100,000 displaced Palestinians in exchange for U.S. debt relief. Always how they play the game, right? Their debt slavery. This was on December, fi- oh, excuse me, October 15th. Uh, could the cradle discusses this. Will Egypt accept Palestinians for debt relief? But let's not forget, this actually happened before this. Timing of this feels really interesting, seeing as how this was quick. It was September 14th, I think. Saw that correctly? Yeah. So just before, a month before October 7th, guess what? The U.S. government offers Egypt $235 million in aid. You wonder if that might be connected. Maybe they were already getting ahead of the agenda. And also, I saw this promoted. This was, this was a promoted tweet on online on Twitter. Zion Oil and Gas. Hooray! Empower Israel's energy independence while we rob from the Palestinians. Yeah, that's what's happening. I think it was, uh, yep, right there. This is from the UN, so of course it's Hamas propaganda, right? 
The unrealized potential of Palestinian oil and gas, the area, Palestinian territory, could generate hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, that's part of what's happening. I don't think that's the primary objective, quite frankly. But look, now they're literally advertising. Come join as we rob from the Palestinians. Here's the actual website. You can look at it for yourself. Watch it. It says, uh, the oil of Israel, prophecy being fulfilled. God, it's crazy. Just leaning into that manipulation, right? Well, Eunice uh, Tarawi points out this horrible reality that these, as he just writes, this is a story about actions that defy humanity. Acts that blatantly cross the line into outright cruelty. This exclusive thread reveals incidents reported for the first time showing Israeli soldiers in Gaza and the West Bank, not just Gaza, from wishing Gazans to burn, burn alive, brazen theft, to manipulate, you know, literally being in their homes while they're starving to death, playing with their lingerie. I mean, just crazy stuff. This is the mentality of a lot of the people that are leading this. Not all, but a lot. And I'm going to finish with this going forward. It's both these, by the way, I'm going to do a bigger segment on. But shout out to Rich People Weekly for highlighting a very interesting overlap that we've talked about this. In our, one of our recent shows, which I really recommend you take a look at in regard to Nazism versus not uh, versus or Zionism versus Nazism. Hold on, how did I get this mixed up? Oh, wait a minute! Did I accidentally close something? Shoot! Let me see if I got the clip. Sorry, just one second. I got that. Tell me I downloaded that. Hold on a second. I had a really great video I wanted to end with about uh, BDS. Well, I'll wait, I'll wait to get there in a second. So, bottom line, he points out that you have Hillel Flew, the one I was already referencing, doing the same thing that we keep showing Eli David doing. Pointing at the fence in Egypt and going, gee, why don't they want Palestinians? Maybe they're dirty, bad, and gross. Like, just trying to play this game to insinuate that the reason nobody wants them is because we all secretly know that they're disgusting. Like, it's just the most racist, cruel, disgusting mentality. That's what these people are. But his point is, you know, same thing. Like, remind me why they don't take them in? What's wrong with them? Don't they? And what he points out is Zionists behaving like Nazis. What? Say it isn't so. And they point that you point the document that's an archive discussing the Nazi men. Uh, I'll just show it to you. The it's about like Nazi propaganda, uh, Hitler speeches, proclamations, and so on. Here's the cover, the complete Hitler. And what it says is you can read for what they're discussing the kind of things they would do. And it says for how how is and it's rationalizing this. It says for how will it rationalize imposing the members of this race on the Germans of all people. How will the states, so infatuated with these great guys, in quotes, explain why they're suddenly taking refuge with all sorts of pretenses just in order to deny asylum to these people? The great guys, ever, even that. I've even seen them use that. Oh, these are all the great people, in quotes. Guys, it's like they're literally taking Nazi talking points. It's crazy. Very clear. We'll go for some, some more of this in the future. Just more lies, more obvious manipulations. I'll play this one, actually. This one's actually pretty crazy. I'll look for that clip. Hold on. There it is. Let's take a look at this video together. When we say that Hamas instills hate towards Jews and the state of Israel, we're not just saying it. Take a look at this book, for example, Anatomy and Physiology. So what would you expect to read about in this book? Stuff about anatomy and physiology. 
So you open the first page, it's a cover page, and look at the second page right here. Dedication. We dedicate this work to the souls of the Palestinian martyrs who sacrificed their blood for Palestine and Al-Aqsa. So this book is dedicated to the terrorists and to the martyrs who committed terror attacks in Israel against innocent Jewish people. Hold up. These are eight squares. Three folds. You can't just fold a page in a book three times. And what do we have here? A misspelling in a book that was mass-produced by publishers. How can that be? I'm gonna give it to you, bro. You were so close, but that paper in your pocket didn't fit very well. Isn't that interesting? He makes an excellent point. And I think the problem is that this is not some, you know, isolated event. People are being motivated to blatantly make things up. I just think it's wild how many clear examples there are. So on that note, I wasn't able to find that, which is very frustrating to me. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm losing my mind. I swear I looked at that a second ago. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with two clips today. All this you can check out for yourself. We'll go through most of this in a, in a coming up show. But I'm going to leave you with two clips. I'm going to play this first one for you. Just to, to, to highlight the lie. And I'm going to end with the BDS clip because I think it's powerful. But this is a, a clip that was pl- I actually played today at the end of the interview version of history is true, then why do you need to make sure nobody questions it? Why do you need to spend billions of dollars to make sure that foreign governments are telling your version of history? Why do you need to set up entire institutes to make sure that your version of history is written into the curriculum of school children in foreign countries? If your version of history is true, why do you feel the need to threaten, harass, and intimidate activists, journalists, and historians who deviate from your official narrative? Why do you need to push for laws that criminalize alternative interpretations of your history? Why is it that any deviation from your official narrative has to be labeled anti-Semitic and immediately dismissed? Why do you so desperately need to enlist the help of Western media to make sure that your version of history is the only one that gets told? If your version of history is true, then why do you need to slander anyone who questions it? Why must you go to such extraordinary lengths and trouble to codify your propaganda into guidebooks? textbooks, history books, and geography books? Why do you need to manipulate public opinion, suppress scholarly inquiry, and instill the fear of social and professional disaster into the minds of anyone who deviates from your narrative? If your version of history is true, then why are you so afraid of its ability to withstand public debate and scrutiny? If your version of history is true, then why do you need to hide from it? Hard to deny that, right? I mean, it's pretty hard to not see how easily that, I mean, it really just takes a special, uh, you know, a a willful effort to not acknowledge that there's something wrong there with all the different ways. And this is one of the things we really harped on on the interview is just like how it's incredible to me how, how you know, the helpless feeling with how many things we can prove. The, the open secret of human shields, the open secret of organ theft, the open secret of, you know, apartheid. I mean, all these things that are like, they, they get denied on a real high level of like blinking and, and, you know, just blatantly going, we disagree. It's new. It's nothing to disagree with. It's a provable reality that literally anybody with any standing anywhere has made clear. Yes. It's an apartheid state. 100%. Yes. Is it is right? Well, apartheid is racism. It is racist. Yes. They're using a thing called the neighbor procedure. Yes. They do steal organs from Palestinians. All of these things are provable. 
Not every day all the time, but it has happened and it is going on right now at post-October 7th. And it's just this situation where we get confronted with these provable things and yet they just go, no, that's not true. And some people, I don't know why anybody would fall for that. It's a choice. That's the reality is that you got people that are politically invested and pretty much everybody else that sees what we're dealing with today. I just hope that this can break through. I really do. We're going to end with a clip about how in at least one way you could effectively do that. And this has to do with uh, BDS and not, not really just boycott, quite frankly, but it's a great clip. Uh, and this was, here's the actual post. A young Libyan uh, Mohammed Al-Nas produced this video to, about boycotting Israel to deliver his message. And quite frankly, I think it absolutely nails it. There's people that will, would really love to try to make this about racism, and it's only going to make them look all the more ins insensitive, cruel, inhuman after you watch it. Because it's just really undeniable. And it's obvious that whether we're talking about Israel and Palestinians, that the the way you choose to spend your dollar directly translate to to support of the people at the highest levels of the corporations and how they then use that money. You, voting with your dollar is the only true vote that matters, in my opinion, today. And it really does matter. And it really does have an effect. So if you choose today to stop going to Walmart and, and McDonald's and Starbucks, knowing that this money translates into the hands of illegal settlers, into the hands of illegal entities, if you stop doing that, you make a difference. Now, it may not immediately translate to change in front of your face, but it does, in fact, make a difference. And if you do it enough and enough people do it, enough people see you do it and they do it too, well, you see a difference. And I said this the last show. The, the real way we make change in, this, in, in the world we live in today is to act to demonstrate that to the world. You know, the, as, the, as the saying goes, be the change you wish to see in the world. Because if we change the tendencies in ourselves, the tendencies in the world also change. And if we act this way and we demonstrate what we believe, you know, is, is our, our moral worldview, people will see that. People will act accordingly. And there's always going to be some that just don't care. Don't, but my point would be that it's clear that most people truly want that. And I do believe it's already happening. So let's let's start the moral revolution. Let's get this happening in front of us and watch people recognize the stark contrast between people who just care about human life and those that clearly don't. Thank you for tuning in. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Come on. Civilians nearby. Do it. <laughs>